Hello, this is Brian Scuttle with Sonic Cinema at www.sonic-cinema.com. Uh, this isn't going to be a podcast. This is just going to be a presentation of an interview I had recently with a filmmaker whose documentary, which is which was made made for uh, PBS and American Experience, Woodstock: Three Days That Defined a Generation, is coming to Atlanta on June 21st, and I had the pleasure to uh, talk to the co-director and co-writer, uh, Barrett Goodman, uh, prior to his release, and I'm glad to be uh, presenting that interview with you. Um, Woodstock is, uh, this is, this is just very much a retrospective documentary about the event of Woodstock. It's very much a historical perspective documentary as opposed to the Michael Wadley uh, 1970 landmark documentary about the uh, three-day musical festival. And um, it, it was a fascinating movie. It, it very much complements uh, Wadley's films in a lot of ways, Wadley's film in a lot of ways, and I really uh, was quite taken by it, and I hope you enjoy. Um, I hope you take a chance to watch it when it does become available around you, or if you're in the Atlanta area and you come to go to the uh, Landmark Theater to check it out. It's uh, really, really good and uh, really entertaining to uh, listen to some of the stories of people who attended the festival, people who put on the festival, and um, it's it's really a an informative and enlightening documentary, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Uh, the first question I asked uh, Barrick was when he thinks of Woodstock, what comes to mind? And he, this was his response. Well, something very different comes to mind now than before I started. I mean, I guess when I started this project, I had the same image a lot of people have, which was a, a big rock and roll concert, a lot of stone, stoned-out kids. Um, what I didn't understand and what I, I, of course, vividly understand now is what I would call the spirit of Woodstock, the incredible, um, you know, amount of, of, of fortitude and, 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 you know, love and peace and togetherness that got those 450,000 kids through what could have been, you know, a real disaster, um, which probably should have been a real disaster. So that's what I took away from it was just that, you know, some of the slogans you hear about the counterculture movement, the sixties, you kind of scoff at and make fun of the peace and love. That had a reality to it that I was I was unaware of, and you know, and really came to fruition. You know, came to its pinnacle at Woodstock, and and that was a revelation to me, and really an inspiration as well. Next, I asked him whether he was intimidated to make this film, given how iconic Michael Wadley's 1970 Oscar-winning documentary was, and this was his response. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that is one of the great documentary films. I mean, what, what we had to console us, in a sense, was that our film was very different. You know, we, we wanted to spin the cameras around 100 degrees, and and really look at, at the audience, not at the stage. So in that sense, you know, the original film 
wasn't attempting to explain Woodstock. I mean, after all, it was made a year after the festival had finished. So it left a, a very big, um, you know, territory for us to explore. But sure, I mean, you know, a film that, that was as technically innovative and as, you know, as, as kinetic and amazingly, you know, watchable as that film is, um, is certainly intimidating as a filmmaker. Um, and, uh, you know, we also had one other, we had, we, in a way we were channeling that movie because we had their outtakes. I mean, that, that is the footage that comprises a lot of the film is stuff they shot and didn't use. So in a sense, we, we you know, I felt like this was a, a natural extension more than it was a kind of whole, you know, different approach. I then told him that I felt like his film was very complimentary of the Mike Wadley film and uh, that it's something that I think is just as important as Wadley's film to in how it tells a how, how it enhances the story that we already knew from Woodstock. And this was his response to that. Right. I mean, I, you used a better word than I did. Com- compliment is the right word. Um, no, I mean, you know, they, they were, Wadley and his crew were so smart in the way they, they approached this. They, they put three crews in the audience dedicated to simply filming the audience. They gave them motorcycles and, had, you know, as much film stock as they needed and, and set them loose. And they, I think they had a sense, even without knowing, you know, what kind of crowd was going to show up, they had a sense that whatever happened after that crowd was going to be important. And that was such a, a, a great intuitive call. Um, and it, of course, provides us with the raw material to really take a, a totally immersive look at, at what happens inside, you know, in the audience, which was this gigantic, you know, almost, you know, living thing. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're super grateful that they, that these young guys who were really nothing more than hippie filmmakers at the time had the, uh, you know, the, the foresight of March to, uh, to approach it that way. I then asked him how he first became attached to the film, and this was his response. So the idea for the film originated at PBS American Experience, and my boss, Mark Samuels, who's the executive producer there, and Mark's got a great feel for small stories that tell a much bigger story. You know, I've done now 12 films for the series, and you know, we always try to, like, my last film was about the Oklahoma City bombing, and we always try to take what, you know, what, what is an iconic event and people think they know something about it and kind of dig deep, you know, sort of seep into the roots of it and see where it goes. And, and in this case, I think Mark felt that whatever the 1960s were about, not so much the politics, but the cultural part of it, really had its apotheosis at Woodstock and really could understand it better by you know, taking a deep dive into that one four-day event rather than trying to look at it macroscopically and, you know, taking that forced march to the 1960s, which has been done a gazillion times. So, you know, and I, I really responded as a filmmaker, you know, let's, let's, let's go deep into one event and see what it reveals about an era rather than trying to kind of take a 30,000-foot look at the era itself. And, and it's always a much better approach. It makes for more interesting films. And so I responded immediately when Mark called me up and, and, and offered me the film. My next question was to, 
to see if there was any difference in how he approached this film uh, being more of a historical retrospective versus something that he's filming at the moment that it's happening. Uh, whether there's a difference in the way you approach that as a documentary filmmaker. And this was his response. You know, our process is, is surprisingly not that different. I mean, it, it involves, I mean, many of the historical films I do are, are witness-based in the sense that there are still people alive who, who live through the events. Not all of them, but most of them. And I much prefer it that way. And, and, and it, you know, when I'm lucky enough to do those kinds of films, and I, I have a political film coming out in the fall that we did simultaneously with Woodstock, and it's, it's much the same approach, you know, it's, it, it, really, really long extended period of research until you're as steeped in the subject as you possibly can be. And then it's a casting period where you're looking for the right characters, the right witnesses to tell the story. And then it's a production period and it's an editing period. And, and, and generally speaking, it's, it's, it's the same process. It's just, it's often driven by budget and, and schedule, but what you're able to do. But it, it always, for me, and I think for a lot of filmmakers, it always involves, first of all, knowing as much about a subject as possible and trying to get past the easy, you know, first layer stereotypes and, you know, and sort of the cliches that sort of inevitably build up around events, both historical and contemporary, and trying to kind of see into them deep, more deeply and, um, and finding the smart people who can help you do that. So that's, that's a similar process in both. I would say the biggest difference is, is in the editing and the filmmaking. One, historical films tend to rely more on the archive and finding that archive and exploiting it and crafting it is a different skill set than, you know, the contemporary stuff where you're following characters and, and don't quite know what's going to happen. I mean, that's got its own challenges. So they're, but they're both exciting and I love them both and um, it's good to be able to do both. I then asked him if there was anything new that he discovered about Woodstock in the process of making his film that he didn't know before. Uh, so many things. I, I had a, a very glancing familiarity with Woodstock going into the, to the, to the project, mm -hmm. mostly based on the original film, which as great as it is, it's a very specific look at the event, you know, through the lens of music. What I didn't understand, I mean, I guess I knew there were there was a ma massive mammoth crowd that showed up. What I didn't quite understand is how totally unprepared the festival organizers were for that crowd, how many things went wrong in the course of the four days and actually make it a year a build up, um, how close they were, you know, multiple times to real disaster, whether it's National Guard coming in or you know, medical issues or food issues, you know, one after another, as you saw in the film. And then, you know, who were these heroes who, who stepped up to save the day, you know, from everyone from Richie Havens going on first and then, you know, making up freedom just to, to keep the crowd engaged to, you know, the, the guys up on stage who, who talked the people down and, of course, you know, Wavy and the Hog Farm and all these kind of unlikely, unexpected heroes of the of the festival, that was all new to me and all revelation to me and, and I, I I think that more than anything is what we wanted to focus on in the film. Is how regular people stepped up and 
you know, the, the best of humanity came out through, through their actions. I then mentioned to him that one of the things that struck me was a particular moment in his documentary where we're talking, where we're hearing the uh, people who put on the show, uh, Woods, the Woodstock Festival, uh, two of the big financiers of the festival, and a key moment that they have in the creation of the festival where they basically have to make a decision as to whether they are going to accept money and make sure tickets get sold for the festival or they're going to make sure that they have a festival by making sure that the stage is built. Um, one of the things that really struck me and is looking at this the experience of Woodstock and seeing just how close to disaster the film, the the festival came, when you compare it to something like the Fire Festival disaster happened a couple of years ago, and it's hard not to see those parallels in this moment, and it's one thing that I pointed out to Barrick, and this was the, uh, this was his response to that. Right, right. Well, that was a key moment, and that speaks so profoundly to the character of those two guys, John Roberts and Joel Rosenman. You know, if they'd been Billy McFarlane at the Fire Festival, this whole thing would have been very different and gone a very different way. But these two guys, you know, they started as capitalists, but, you know, in a way we wanted to highlight them more than Michael Lang, who was often the focus of films about Woodstock, because... To me, their journey from, you know, from these young, these young men with capital, as they describe themselves, to to what they became at Woodstock, which is really the heroes of Woodstock, you know, guys who decided money is not what this is about, and we're going to, you know, whatever happens, you know, we're going to go forward with this, and if we go bankrupt, we go bankrupt. And that, that more than anything to me, embodies what's special about this event and kind of captures the spirit of Woodstock. And I've got to know Joel a lot better, and he's been at a lot of these screenings with me. And, and, you know, he's a remarkable, remarkable guy with tremendous character and values. And he speaks the same way about John Roberts, who unfortunately has passed on. But the two of them, you know, all 450,000 young people owe a lot uh, to this, to these two guys who, who did not put their self-interest ahead of the interests of those kids. And um, I think you know, we wouldn't have had Woodstock, obviously, without, without them. Before we wrapped it up, I uh, thanked him for his time to uh, do the interview, as well as um, sort of wished him well as far as the audience uh, reception of the movie. And this was what he talked about as far as the film's recent performance at the Tribeca Film Festival. Right. Well, it's just, you know, people, audiences have been so receptive to this in theaters. I just, it just it depends on whether we can get the word out so that they show up. So thank you for your help in that, and uh, I appreciate your time. That's all I have with uh, Barrett Goodman. Um, this was my first uh, sort of third-party initiated initiated interview uh, where I haven't had direct contact with the filmmaker prior. Um, the reason I'm putting his responses in this particular format 
is because of the fact that I recorded this kind of on the run. I was at w- I was just coming off of work and I wasn't able to get home in time to be able to be on my personal uh, recording setup. Um, so I could inter, so I could record all of the interview proper. So I kind of had to figure out a way to record on my laptop on the fly. Admittedly, I, you know, as, as you can see, I don't have my uh, original questions that I asked him. So you don't get the back and forth that we had. But his his responses are really the most important part of this conversation. And um. <coughs> so framing it this way is perfectly fine, and uh, this this was a really good discussion. I'm glad I got to talk to him. Uh, it was it's Woodstock three days that defined a generation, which is coming to Atlanta on June 21st, and will probably on be on PBS via American Experience. After that, uh, for now, this is Brian Scuttle. I hope to have a couple more interviews. Uh, with regards to filmmakers whose work is coming to Atlanta in the uh, near future. Uh, for now, check us, check me out on the Sonic Cinema podcast. I've got a lot of it podcasts um, coming up with uh, several people who've been on the podcast before as we talk about not only some of their movies, but also movies that we've watched and we're discussing And uh, there are some really good conversations to be had there. So thank you very much. This is Brian Scuttle. Uh, Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com and the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube page. Thank you.